chapter 2, uh, testing 1, 2, 3. And so uh, we've been doing this class on core convictions. Uh, and it's interesting, um, of course, uh, today is a 15-year uh, mark of uh, 9-11, uh, the horrible tragedy uh, there in New York City, the Trade Towers. And um, some 340 firefighters gave their lives and some 60 policemen. And what was interesting, and of course many others, but what was interesting about the policemen and the firefighters, they died running up the stairs, uh, trying to rescue people and um, trying to give hope of reaching the victims. And um, uh, a number of uh, articles I've read use the term that we've used for this Sunday school class for the last uh, couple of months or so. Uh, these men and women had core convictions about duty, um, about responsibility. Responsibility is two words. It's responsibility. I may use that in a sermon in a week or so, but uh, you can't dictate the things that happen to you, but you can dictate and determine your response ability. You have the ability to respond. And that's what these core convictions is in these articles I read about these uh, firemen and policemen is uh, uh, they, they responded and uh, they had these convictions that determined uh, their decisions in the critical crisis moments of life. And that's what core convictions are. We've been through numbers of them over the last few months, uh, many, many, many different dynamics uh, that, that built this church. Uh, people over the years have fought for core convictions. That's the reason these flags are here. These didn't just appear or happen to be here. Uh, there were core convictions of, of, uh, of ministry. We talked about standards of redemption, of uh, uh, forgiveness, of, of preaching, of altar calls, of, of uh, uh, our, our vision of uh, converts, discipleship, church planning, uh, missions. And those core convictions in the crisis moments of life, uh, they will dictate your behavior, how you react, how you respond uh, to crisis moments when you don't have time. I think I've said to look at your bracelet, what would Jesus do? Uh, you react in a heartbeat. Huh? And so um, it's very interesting they use this term uh, concerning uh, America and our determination to not allow. And this was the most uh, uh, deadly attack against America since uh, Pearl Harbor. And, um, uh, and how we will not allow terrorists to dictate and determine uh, our behavior, although uh, our president did uh, give Iran, what was it, uh, one point something billion dollars cash to let those uh, right at the same time 
of uh, currency from Europe and Sweden and all these places, which they said we would never do that. We would never, if you uh, allow ransom to dictate uh, hostages, uh, you're done. Because that, there'll be people, they'll be taking hostages everywhere if I can get money for it. And so we had a policy for many years, a core conviction that we would never uh, pay uh, ransom for hostages because you go down that road, you've opened the floodgates. And, but I won't, I don't want to get tied up there. Just vote. Vote. And I'll say it don't vote for which Hillary. Uh, and I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Uh, I've followed her and her husband for 25 years. She's a liar. I mean, they, how many times do they have to catch? And if she'll lie to the IRS, she'll lie, she'll lie to you and me. Yeah. And then, uh, and then you, you look at uh, Benghazi. Uh, how tragic to say, well, it was a video that created that. Well, it was a lie. She knew it was a lie from hell. Wasn't a video. They've been planning for months. Anyway, praise the Lord. I'm wound up. I feel better. Can you tell my voice is better? Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, but it is tragic. It is tragic to me. I mentioned this, I think, in my sermon in uh, Monday night of our conference, when our two best choices in America is uh, uh, Witch Hillary and Crazy Trump. I mean, that is kind of sad, and if I just offended you, at least I offended both sides of the aisle, so anyway. But that's tragic. If if that's, uh, you know, out of, uh, what, 350 million people, uh, that's, uh, uh, you know, how many times he's been married? Anyway, praise the Lord. God give us righteous men. But anyway, um, I want to talk about a core conviction as as an act of kindness. One act of generosity. One compliment. One act of giving sets in motion this ripple effect that can go on and on and on. One act of forgiveness. Uh, I'm always and have been for years amazed and interested at spiritual dynamics. Uh, uh, Science calls this cause and effect. You may have read the book, The Tipping Point. Uh, I preached a sermon a few years ago from an article. I think uh, Tony Chase got me the article, The Butterfly Effect. And I don't know if it's true or not. I doubt if it's true. But the thought was that a butterfly in Latin America could flap its wings. uh, And eight months later, uh, there's a tornado in Illinois. And or a storm in North Carolina. And this is the whole thought. But my old hippie days, (coughs) crazy days, uh, uh, a leaf, a stone, a door. And of all the forgotten faces, for 7,000 years ago began a love in Crete that ended yesterday in Texas. Now, see, that, that's, how we, that's how you think when you're stoned. Amen. <laughs> but the thought of that is that something 7,000, a, a, a decision 7,000 years ago, trafficked down through time and touched a multitude of humanity. 7,000 years ago, a love began that ended yesterday in Texas. 
And so I want to I wanna look at um, uh, what some have called the ripple effect. It's like you throw a stone into a pool of water and the effect of that. In Joshua chapter 2, if you'd turn there with me, very familiar story. And I, wa- I want to repeat myself. You'll be amazed one act of kindness. One compliment to someone. One act of giving. One decision to forgive has this incredible possibility and that ought to be one of your core convictions. Just one one witness. Just, Just one witness and you have no clue how this is going to play out in life, multiplied by generations. So in Joshua chapter 2, if, you, if you'd uh, uh, turn there with me, uh, uh, Genesis, Exodus, I've got my stuff here lined out. Leviticus, Numbers, Joshua, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Okay. Joshua chapter 2, verse number 1. Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men from Acacia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went, came to the house of a harlot named Rahab, and lodged there. Let's look at, I'm going to relate the story. Verse 5, it happened as the gate was being shut. In other words, they came, she's hiding them. When it was dark, that the men went out. Where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. She's talking, they're looking for the two spies from Israel. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them with the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order on the roof. Verse 12 and 13, now... She says, now therefore I beg you swear to me by the Lord since I have shown you kindness, think of this, this one act of kindness that you also will show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. Spare my father, my mother, my brothers, my sister and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. So the men answered her, our lives for yours. So my point is, is think of this. Here's this woman and her uh, profession, her sin is her identity. Rahab the harlot. Now, just, you know, we could talk about that. And so she's in bondage to prostitution No doubt all that that embraces. I remember years ago, we were pastoring on 28th Street. Me and Connie and the church would go down on Van Buren and and preach and witness. And this is where all the, the prostitutes were and et cetera. And the tragedy of their lives. But this one act of kindness is going to set in motion this incredible chain of events that impacts you and I today. Now think of that. It triggers destiny and divine connections. It's going, she's, 
She's risking her life to save their lives. If she had been caught, this was like an act of treason. She said, look, will you show kindness to my family because I've shown you kindness? And you know the story, I've preached on it. Uh, they said, uh, you know, hang a scarlet ribbon out of your window, a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, and when we see the, the scarlet ribbon, we'll know that's your house and we'll spare it. But I want you to just think for a moment. Uh, watch this play out. Uh, Jewish uh, rabbi tradition says that Rahab was one of the four most beautiful women in Scripture. Sarah, Abigail, Esther, and this woman Rahab. And if you read, they also say she fell in love with Salmon. This was the Jewish man of the tribe of Judah. She had a son named Boaz. Boaz had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. Jesse had a son named David. So here is this woman, this one act of kindness begins this effect. She is going to be, the, uh, David will be her great, great grandson. I need someone to get for me Matthew 1, 5, and 6. Who'll get that? Daniel? Hebrews eleven thirty one. 31. Uh, get that. Uh, who'll get that? Bill? Hebrews eleven thirty one. 31. Now, now, now think of this. Uh, you're living life and an opportunity comes for one act an opportunity could be to witness. It could be of kindness, like the text. It could be of for forgiveness. It could be of, of uh, giving. And you have no clue many times um, how this is. Uh, I've read some scholars. They think uh, that perhaps one of the men who she hid became her husband. She showed kindness could. But uh, just so you think I'm not making this up, uh, Daniel, would you read uh, Matthew 1, 5, and 6? Now, what, now we're in Matthew, New Testament. He's giving the lineage of Jesus Christ, his ancestors. Would you read it? Someone begot Boaz. Matthew 1, 5, and 6 on the board so we can read it. Someone begot Boaz by uh, Rahab. Okay, there she is. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. Verse da 6, okay. David the king begot Solomon. So, uh, Solomon by her who had been the wife by the by her who had been the wife of Uriah. 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 Okay. And so and so here uh, Later, you know, we can look back in history and say, well, that was a fantastic decision. But she risked her life. She paid a price for that decision. Read Hebrews eleven thirty one, The hall of fame of faith in the New Testament. And by faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish. Hebrews did 11. Sheesh. <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead, Bill. Oh, by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish for those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Okay, so here she is in the hall of fame of faith. 
This one act of kindness from a prostitute to the lineage of Jesus Christ. That's staggering. You never, 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 never know when you show someone compassion, when you reach out to a human being who's, who, who desperately at that moment needs you, when you forgive, when you compliment someone, when you give of your finances, you never know when you make a missions pledge you never, never know how in eternity and time that thing's going to churn out. You're showing kindness today. You might be showing kindness to the great-great-grandmother of a king in Jesus' territories. You might be showing kindness to someone who's going to father a billionaire or your future son-in-law. I wonder how many times people come in this church. Sometime I need to sit down and let everybody give me their personal testimony. And you reached out to someone, little be knowing to you, they're going to marry your daughter later. <laughs> or your son. This is a, this is a, this is a powerful principle. Because you cannot break the law of sowing and reaping. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. As, as Billy preached, very good message. Uh, it's in the context of, of, of sowing good. But this is true in all of life. You sow, you shall reap. You sow kindness. You sow compassion. You sow forgiveness. You sow encouragement. You sow a compliment. You sow money. You sow words, a witness. Unending. I want to stop right there. And uh, any input? Billy? A long time ago, Pastor, I found out how uh, Pastor Mitchell got saved. Right? It was in this book. And what had happened, I guess him and Nelda had a child, and the baby was nine months old, got sick, and died. Well, one of the things that had happened is that Wayman Mitchell's brother was yeah. born again at Foursquare Church at Phoenix First and witnessed to him. And what's funny is that to this day, I don't know what that dude's name is. And so I'm the fruit. Pastor Mitchell sent a church to Globe where my mom got saved. That's where I first got saved. Um, I think Tempe, he sent a church to Tempe, which sent a church to Apache Junction, where I got saved as a teenager. He sent the church to Chandler, and it's like, here I am saved today, and what this guy did was just witness to his brother and say, look, God can heal this. God can help you. And it's like that one act, I think at Nelda's funeral, I think there was 14,000 people they found out viewed you want to talk about a yeah, mega church? Yeah, I heard uh, ended up around 20,000. Okay, 20,000, yeah. Uh, talk about a mega stream, church. Yeah. Right, right. Talk about a mega church. Yeah. You know, reaching impact from all over the nation. I mean, who is Wayman Mitchell's brother's name? Yeah, yeah, I don't know it. Yeah, I don't know it. And, and that's very good. That's the point I'm making. Um, in this case, we know Rahab, but 
how many times uh, only eternity when the books are open. Only eternity when the books are open. Someone else? Yes, Daniel. Uh, I, can, I can truly say through witnessing that I got introduced to Jesus for the first time through Mary Jane, who, um, who still is a corker of mine. Um, and I didn't know this, but she, she grew up where she lived next to my grandparents for the webs for the longest of times, and she didn't know this either. But one day after one of our evening services, Sunday evening services, she was taking me home with her, with her daughter and her I daughter. I didn't know. Your, your grandparents the webs? My grandparents are oh, the webs. I didn't know that. Rosemary and Paul Webb. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't know that there was a connection to this church. And I told her we were going down on, uh, on, on one of the roadside streets over here, and she hits the brakes, and she goes, your grandparents are the webs? Just like you said, she hit the brakes, and she goes, I used to live next to your grandparents, and your grandparents and I used to go to church together. I used to watch over your, your, your aunts and uncles. I used to play with my kids, and I was like, wow, like, there's a connection. Like, we don't know it, but the people that we witness to, we don't know how, how connected they are to the church or if there's a history. And I, I just love the fact that we are open to, as members of the church, we're open to witness to our friends, our coworkers, and our families. And if that wasn't so, I probably wouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah, they, they were here not long ago. They came to a service. I hadn't seen them in years. Kim? You're wanting us, you know, <coughs> stories to reflect back on why, you know, have ramifications. Before I got saved, Ron was saved about a year. Ron's my husband of 33 years now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, um, George uh, Rose, Ron had talked about how him and Fran had invited him and some other people over to play. I think it was Thanksgiving time. Ron was in the military, no family out here. And that was very crucial, Ron's told me, that's really helped him pretty much kind of lock into the church. And um, then, you know, time goes on, and George and Fran have a little girl, which they were told to abort. <laughs> But by the grace of God, we believe God to bring a healing to her baby, which is Sarah. I was pregnant with Philip, and which I was told I had trouble with my baby and God was going to heal him. We both have our children, and later on in life they get married. Now they have enough for a little baby church. <laughs> 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 which I'm grateful. Yeah. Anyway, that's just one story. You have quite a few. So. Yeah, isn't that interesting? And, and so here you follow up on someone. You encourage them, no clue that in, in time down the road, uh, how they're, they're, you're, people who aren't even born yet are going to marry, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. George. You know, when I first came into this church, I was a backslider. And, uh, you know, you, you get this terrible conviction, you, and you come to church, and God does something. But if you're not diligent, it's like those seed that fell by the wayside and it grows up and the sun beat down and they're gone. Well, you know, something funny is John Moore, who I wish he was still serving God in his fullness, invited Fran and I to go for a dollar and 25 cent chicken dinner at More Like It Chicken. It was a scoop of mashed potatoes and gravy. It was, it was a piece, two pieces of chicken and a biscuit. But you know what? And then every Sunday he purposed to do that for months. And, you know, we were poor, you know, so it was like, it's like people didn't show that kind of kindness to me. Yeah. And it helped lock me into this church because otherwise, yeah. like I said, I would have taken care of that conviction because I'd gone to churches before when seasons when God was dealing with me. You know, and you go and you say, okay, you take care of that terrible feeling and you go back to business as usual. 
but it was just someone's act of kindness, you know, just to help establish me in the kingdom that I'm here today. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, uh, it's, it's such a need in an impersonal world we live in uh, where uh, you don't even know your neighbors, uh, where the whole electronic system is, uh, you're like a number. And um, uh, this is what builds churches. Uh, this is what uh, re- retains people is, uh, is George, uh, you know, acts of kindness where, uh, where you take time for people that you don't know. Uh, you uh, embrace people that many times are nothing like you, especially if you've been saved for a long time. And, and uh, but one, you never know one act of kindness. And, and that couple may be in India down the road. They may be in Africa. Who, who knows where they may be? They, they may be over children's church. They might be on the platform. You never know uh, and, 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 and who there or what their children, should Jesus Terry, are going to do. And, you, you, and you've heard me talk about Dion and Natalie Thompson. Connie and I got saved. They, they've been in church their whole life. And I mean, we were so different. And I remember them inviting us to their house. And you've heard me tell the stories. We slept all day and partied all night. I didn't know there was a son. And so we're at their house. I, I don't even think this guy's got to work. He's got to get up. He was a machinist. And we're there. We're just, and at midnight, you're just getting, you know, you're just getting, getting going good. Amen. It's, it's like 9 o'clock in the morning or something. And, and uh, Connie and I would be there. We're just, and I mean, they got popcorn. They got sodas, man. I mean, life is good, you know. And, and all of a sudden, I'd say, where's Dion? You know, it's 1, 1.30 in the morning. He's gone to bed. And, uh, uh, but I often wonder, uh, and we were nothing alike, nothing, absolutely as far as the east is from the west. But Connie and I have often talked and thought, uh, what, uh, it, it would, would we have made it if they hadn't have personally, personally, one act of kindness. Betty? On outreach yesterday, we had an experience. Uh, we were out in this one apartment complex and going door to door and things, talking to different people, leaving the flyers like we normally do. And a gentleman, well-dressed, white shirt, tie on, um, very kind, um, he said... Uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but we can't allow this here. Turns out his name is Angel. <laughs> he stood up for Spencer Garfor's wedding. Oh. Yeah. And um, he saved today serving God. So the impact that young man had on him, he talked about him a little bit. He agreed with what we're doing. Oh, very but he, good, yeah. he very nicely escorted, even in a golf cart, to our car. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you just never know. You never know how it's going to compute out in life. Uh, uh, you just, you just uh, it's incredible. Let me read you a story, and then maybe you'll, uh, this kind of partly what triggered my mind. Uh, uh, Paul Tudor, uh, he's a Wall Street legend. 
and uh, he's uh, uh, his earnings have been 28 years positive returns, 28 consecutive years. And um, there's a number of things about him. But in 1986, uh, this man, he adopted a sixth grade class at an underperforming public school in New York City. And he guaranteed a college scholarship to every high school graduate. He said, I'll, I'll personally pay for your... And only one-third of those kids got their high school diploma. And he said, he, admit, he said, I underestimated the environmental challenges of inner-city kids, their home, the streets, the culture. But he said, it, it fueled in me a passion. And he said, instead of giving up, I started the Robin Hood Foundation. And since the inception, and this article I, I read, I think it's a couple of years old, uh, they've channeled $1.45 billion uh, into New York City. Fortune magazine called the Robin Hood Foundation one of the most innovative, influential organizations of our time. And um, uh, they, went, they went on, they... Um, was interesting. They, I was got here somewhere. Uh, they've seen 6,700 children from Brooklyn to Bronx go through college now. High risk, lower income, inner city kids. He's, he, his foundation has started uh, massive numbers of charter schools. He said this is the best thing that ever happened to inner city kids. And they keep records if, if the school or the, that area, they have it for education, they have it jobs, careers, trades, they, they have an arm uh, for getting people off of drugs and alcohol. Uh, they also feed people, help people. But if the organization, they, if it doesn't perform, uh, they cut it. They cut their support. They, it had, there has to be, and I don't know all the ratios of that, uh, but their impact has been incredible. But listen to, listen to his testimony. Listen to what he said triggered this in me. When I was four years old, he said, my mother was everything. And he said, said, said these, these words. Um, uh, we were an, at an outdoor vegetable market with lots of people. And I got lost from my mother. And he said this extraordinarily kind, very old, very tall black man came over and said, don't worry, son, we're going to find your mama. Don't cry, we're going to find her. You'll be happy in a minute. Quit crying. <laughs> and they did. They found his mother. Listen to what he said. I have never forgot that. For me, I think that one act of kindness spawned a lifetime of trying to repay kindness to the inner city kids of New York City. Said, what was the name of that very old, very tall black man? He said, I have no idea. He's probably deceased by now. 
But he said, I'll never forget his hand holding mine and that act of kindness that has inspired me to give millions upon millions of dollars to my time. Now that's, who knows, the children. I, I gave just a statistic there of those who have gone through college. But he traces this back when he's four years old. And, you know, you're young, the, the, the drama of being lost in a crowd away from your mother. And one person takes time for you, takes a hold of your hand, and begins to give you words of encouragement. That's not just true of this man. That's true of people you and I see come through these doors, people you work with, people you know, people at school, family members, neighbors. Are you holding anyone's hand? I preached a sermon a number of years ago about Peter on his way to prayer. This man's begging. He's lame. Peter stops and says, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I you. And the Bible says he took him by the hand. And the man rose to his feet, went leaping and bounding and praising God. And so the question is, 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 are you one of those people that in your core conviction is, is an understanding that people are what's important? And one compliment, hey, listen, you can make it. Take a few moments to speak to someone and listen to them. People who Pastor Mitchell said for years, you can, you, can, you can tell a man, you can tell a human being by how you treat people who can do nothing for you or nothing to you. Here's this little four-year-old. This man probably knew I'll never see him again. I'll never see him again. Uh, he, this four-year-old, he can't give me a reward And that's the way it is many times, is you're, you're reaching out to people, you're witnessing to someone, and you have no clue that one act, that one demonstration of sharing uh, Jesus Christ, one, one gift, one giving, you given to an offering, that one act, you have, you have no clue as we invest in these nations and in these cities and in people, uh, how it's all going to play out, as, as, as Benny said, and I, some uh, understand around 20,000 people live stream, Sister Mitchell. They went to Prescott years ago, handful of people, maybe 20, 25 people. Uh, pastor Mitchell told the story, uh, the, the, and the former pastor, it was a nightmare. There had been an immoral, immoral situation. He said, I went down to get a, a bucket of paint. I wanted to paint the church. And they wouldn't even give me credit for a bucket of paint. The church's uh, uh, testimony in the community was so bad. And today, look, hotels clamor. Conference, I mean... God only knows how, how many hundreds of thousands of dollars into restaurants and, and, and motels and et cetera. 
and, and, and that's true of your life. You have no idea. But I do know this. You will reap what you sow. God has promised it. You will reap what you sow. Uh, can I make a statement to you? It takes a lot more energy. Well, let me say it. It takes a lot of energy to be critical. There, there's, a, there's a statement they use in the corporate world around. Don't criticize. Be creative. Don't, don't, that energy, that mind, that language, that all that you're putting in to criticizing something, what the thought is, if you would put that in to trying to fix the problem, you'd be amazing how different your life would be. Don't criticize. Be creative. A joy. Don't criticize. Be creative. Um, I just wanted to share a personal testimony. I remember when I was younger, I was around like eight or nine, and um, Pastor Williams and Stacia had just gotten married, and I would always, I would just ask to go over to their house, and they would always let me come over. They would always let me spend the night, and they were just like newlyweds, and Pastor Williams would like pick me up from my house sometimes, and they always just like made time for me. I would eat all their food. <laughs> drink all their juice and just like be at their house like they never said no even though I know they were busy in ministry and just their own lives like building their own marriage but they were always welcoming of me and then when they moved to North Carolina they would always let me just come and to them you know I was so much younger than them back back then I was just nine but they didn't see me as like a little kid they seen me as a soul and now just looking back I'm so grateful that even though I was so young they took time to, you know, let me come over, and I'm just so grateful for that. Praise the Lord. Amen. And, uh, and, and, and Joy and Junior are going to multiply the kingdom. Amen. <laughs> uh, so, Pat, uh, uh, we got maybe come back. So, Pastor Toy, how did you get saved? What, what triggered you? Who witnessed to you, et cetera? Uh, Pastor Ortiz witnessed to me. Actually, a uh, gentleman by the name of Jeremiah, but who's no longer here, but he, uh, Pastor Ortiz witnessed to him at a gym, and uh, Jeremiah and I worked together, and we had kind of been talking about going to church, but uh, long story short, you know, uh, Pastor Ortiz is very instrumental uh, in my early salvation and obviously in my, you know, my early walk with God, so just the lineage is very interesting. And so here's a guy, witnesses, uh, Jeremiah and Tori, witnesses to him, and he's on staff here. Now Tori's on staff here. Here's a nine-year-old uh, girl, uh, Joy. And they reach out to her. Now she's married to Junior. And they're going to have a baby. And, and who knows where it will end. I mean, this stuff is so interesting. Who, know, who knows what they'll do for God? One witness, one act of kindness, one compliment, one act of forgiveness, one gift, and only eternity. Robert, and then we got to close. Yeah, uh, yesterday was my first time out on outreach in many years. 
and uh, I asked God to speak to me during conference. And I've been on fire since then. But yesterday, me and Kevin, we got, uh, would have met uh, Ryan at this apartment complex, and we didn't know which one. So I turned into this one parking space. The very first door I knocked on, I, this guy opened the door, teenage kid, 18, years in the day. I gave him my testimony and told him what I went through with my stroke, how God dealt, dealt with me during that time, during conference. And uh, he, did, he came out last night, you know, and he brought his brother, he brought his, uh, his girlfriend, and we was in the extreme, and we was all sitting there down there, and he, and he said, what's going on over in that room? I said, that's the prayer room. He said, we'd like to go in there. So he went into the prayer room, and uh, he was excited, so he came back out. We prayed for a little bit, and then he came back out, and I told him about how we on street preaching and stuff. He said, can I come? You know, so he want to come on out and read um, the street preaching, you know. And, uh, he, and I told him, when I witnessed to him, I told him, you know, you're young. I told him how Spencer, you know, mm -hmm. how Spencer was young, raised in church, was 28 years old, passed away. 28. And uh, I says, you're 18. You don't know what God could do in your life, man. You know, God has a purpose, has a destiny in your life. You know, and he was it just me with excitement. And, uh, and like I said, so he'll be here this morning, and, uh, him and his uh, brother and his girlfriend. And uh, that made me feel good because that was my first door I knocked on in many years. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's give God praise. And, uh, and Robert's like me. He's a few miles and years from 18, too. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> but it makes no difference. You can make the connection. Amen. God bless you. Thank you this morning.